never miss an episode of Pull Up a Chair, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcast. Follow us on Spotify and Anchor. Follow us on Instagram at pullupachair.podcast and like us on Facebook at Pull Up a Chair with Ashley Mayer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pull Up a Chair. I'm super excited to dive into the topic of immigration today. Before recording this podcast, I actually reached out to one of my closest friends. She's in school to receive her paralegal certificate to hopefully pursue a career in immigration law, so she was a good one to contact about this, but she's extremely passionate about immigration issues. It's definitely her number one political issue. Her and I disagree a lot on politics, but our conversations are always super meaningful and constructive. She's one of those friends I always think of when I think of the idea of pulling up a chair because that's what we've always done in regards to political conversations. We've always pulled up a chair. I specifically asked her about misconceptions both liberals and conservatives have about the opposites viewpoints on immigration. We both kind of came to the conclusion that both sides are typically so wrong about what each thinks of the other's views on immigration. For this episode, I'm going to first talk about Biden's recent immigration executive orders and how they compare or contrast to Trump's policies. I want to talk about DACA and the requirements for DACA recipients. And throughout the episode, I'll be pointing out misconceptions we may have about the facts of immigration. And I'll add a little bit of opinion. This is definitely a more fact-based podcast that covers what's going on right now in regards to immigration. It's such a nuanced issue that really can't be addressed at a surface level. So buckle up. This episode is going to be filled with information, but important information. Biden signed three executive orders for immigration on Tuesday. Most of these are reversing Trump's immigration policies. His executive orders include creating a task force to reunite children with their parents who've been separated, assisting migration and asylum seekers, and focusing on the legal immigration process while also assisting immigrants and refugees by immersing them into American life. So first, I want to go into reuniting children with their parents. This task force will be led by Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Its two main goals is to reunite parents or guardians with their children and also make recommendations as to what to do with the families after they are reunited. That choice would be be to either deport the family or allow them to stay. It will kind of be on a case-by-case basis. The Biden administration announced that they are reopening a facility in Carrizo Springs, Texas, um, and that facility can hold at least 700 children. This facility actually opened Um, at first under President Trump in June of 2019 with the main purpose of being an emergency overflow shelter for unaccompanied children. 
The shelter was equipped with soccer fields, classrooms, a medical team, fire department. And when it opened, journalists were actually able to tour the property. And apparently the journalist said that it was like top notch. I'm assuming a facility with soccer fields and classrooms and all that stuff would be top notch. But It abruptly closed a month after its opening because there weren't enough children to occupy the space. Vice News actually called the shelter unnecessary at the time. But now the reason that the shelter is reopening, hence kind of the keyword emergency shelter, is because there's an influx of apprehensions of unaccompanied children at the border. This facility isn't supposed to house children long term. The goal is to reunite them with their parents as quickly as possible. And the whole Biden creating a task force, reopening a facility has made waves on social media because we all remember the flack Trump received for putting children in cages. There was uproar from the news media and Democrats, but It's weird that, you know, at the time that it was originally opened, this, quote, top-notch facility was viewed as unnecessary. There also was an uproar when kids were in cages under the Obama administration, which Joe Biden was vice president at the time. Joe Biden claims that he's using this executive order to undo the stain that the Trump administration implemented in putting kids in cages, but USA Today and the Associated Press actually confirmed that the cages the children were in under Trump were the same cages children were in under Obama. In a 2019 immigration panel, former United States Immigration and Customs Enforcement Director had this to say about when the cages were built. The kids are being housed in the same facilities built under the Obama administration. If you want to call them cages, call them cages. But if the left wants to call them cages and Democrats want to call them cages, they have to accept the fact that they were built and funded in FY15. And I was there. I think the lesson here is that we often point fingers when a politician we don't like does something bad, but we have to acknowledge that both Republicans and Democrats make bad policies and allow unfavorable things to happen. We can all agree that housing children in these cages is inhumane and disgraceful because At the end of the day, they're children and and they didn't put themselves in that position. But if you called it out during Trump, you have to call it out when Obama did it. And and Biden can't be let off the hook here because he was vice president at the time. We can only hope that Biden creates a better environment for these children. It seems like he's working in that direction, but hold Biden to it. We, We have to always hold our elected officials accountable no matter who they are and we also have to acknowledge you know just because we hate Trump and and there was an uproar of the kids in cages that doesn't mean that Obama gets a pass because he did it too and and those are those kind of hard truths that 
both conservatives and liberals a lot of times have to accept those hard truths of what a politician that they supported did that was highly unfavorable and maybe wasn't favorable to their narrative. Anyways, going into the second executive order Biden signed, this executive order is aimed at looking to the root of migration from Central America. I liked the idea of this executive order because it also is going to focus on like the why of the issue and that's something you will hear me say a lot is is you have to understand the whys of of things happening and the whys of opinions and 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 just kind of dig deeper into that nuance on any issue side note also I I still hate executive orders I still think they're stupid but policy wise I think looking at the why of an issue is super important in in solving it. They're going to aid the Central American region to support them in combating corruption so that people can feel comfortable in their own homes versus feeling like they have to seek refuge in the United States. I mean, ultimately, most, if not all, refugees who come to America, they're not coming because they they like absolutely wanted to they they are coming because they feel like they have to and they feel like they are fleeing a country that has oppressed them or has been corrupted but this executive order will also stop the enrollment in the trump administration's migrant protections protocol this policy also known as remain in mexico kept asylum seekers in mexico for the duration of their legal proceedings the biden administration hasn't really said if they will completely end the remain in mexico policy but for now they're halting enrollments Lastly, this executive order aims to end expedited removal, which allows authorities to remove someone before they see an immigration judge. Usually, asylum seekers are only able to see an immigration judge if they are in, quote, fear of persecution from the country in which they fled. In June of 2020, the Supreme Court upheld expedited removal in a 7 to 2 decision pretty much citing that immigrants don't ne- necessarily have the right to federal review or due process under the law and surprisingly Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg actually agreed with this court court ruling Sotomayor and Kagan were the only two to dissent Expedited removal was created in 1996 in the Illegal Immigration Reform and Immigration Responsibility Act. Because it's the law of the land, it's an official act signed by Congress, the Supreme Court felt that it wasn't their right to rule against that law. And This situation brings up a great example on how our institutions work within one another. An executive order under Biden won't be able to completely abolish the law as is so, and I'm assuming lawsuits will follow. Biden's best bet in the issue of expedited removal if he wants that law gone is 
really to pressure Congress to create legislation amending or abolishing that law. And this is another reason why I hate executive orders, because they only hold so much say. Lastly, the third executive order Biden signed rescinds the Trump administration policies that required immigrants who received benefits from the United States to pay them back. Trump's policy, often referred to as public charge, also made it possible for immigration applications to be rejected if the immigrant received more than 12 months of public benefits. The public charge policy was upheld in the United States Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit. This executive order also aims to assist immigrants in integrating them into American society. The rollback on Trump's public charge policy and focusing on integration kind of go hand in hand. Ultimately, we can only hope that immigrants come to America to prosper and live the American dream. So helping them out of a government dependency is is really crucial here because, you, you know, you want them to prosper. You, you want every American citizen to prosper. And if an immigrant is coming to America, you, you want them to prosper. You want them to to add value to America just as you would with any American citizen. Biden's main plan on immigration allows an eight-year pathway to citizenship for 11 million immigrants. The first, and, and those are 11 million illegal immigrants, the first five years of the plan would be so that these immigrants could receive a green card or temporary legal status. Those who are eligible have to pass a background check and pay taxes. And then the last three years of the plan grant, these immigrants a path to naturalization, pretty much granting granting them citizenship. Elective Republicans oppose this plan, saying that it gives complete amnesty for those who are living here illegally and doesn't really address the overflow of problems with immigration in the U.S. Either way, it's going to be difficult for this plan to pass as law just because there's a split 50-50 in the Senate and Democrats would need at least 10 Republicans to sign on to it. And I, I don't see that happening. I know Trump is no longer president, but it would be hard to fully grasp in immigration in America without talking about some of his policies. Trump ran on building the wall and, and likely won because of his message of build the wall. So for those who don't remember, Trump campaigned on building the wall. I mean, how could you forget that? Trump campaigned on building the wall. Mexico is going to pay for it. Well, now we know Mexico never paid for it. Building the wall even caused a government shutdown in 2019 because Trump wanted funding for the wall in the government spending bill. The spending bill never included money for the wall. Then he declared a national emergency for the wall in February of 2019, which ultimately gave Trump a total of around $8 billion. I think I've said this before in a past podcast, but I hate that Trump did that. I think it was one of the many reasons he was weak. 
if you campaign if your number one campaign thing was we're going to build the wall mexico is going to pay for it and you had to declare a national emergency to build the wall then that's not necessarily you know fulfilling your campaign promise i get it he built the wall but mexico never paid for it so i don't know according to Pew Research, 58% of Americans opposed the border wall while 40% supported it, with Republicans 82% supported the wall and 93% of Democrats opposed it. So clearly the wall is a very partisan issue. Republicans claim that the wall would be effective in stopping illegal immigration while Democrats think it would be ineffective. According to Customs and Border Protections, since the Trump wall has been built, they've had a 79% decrease in apprehensions and a 26% decrease in drug seizures. Republicans definitely tout these accomplishments and Democrats just kind of clap back saying, ultimately, the wall displays hatred and doesn't really solve immigration issues. Personally, I understand the need for a border wall. I mean, for those who didn't know, under the Obama administration, 128 miles of the wall were built. Trump built 450 miles. And I think the bigger issue with immigration is border security. Like, sure, you can have a wall, but if the wall isn't monitored, it's definitely easily breached. And it just... It poses another example of like Trump came full force out on like build the wall. Mexico's going to pay for it. Build the wall. Southern border. Yada, yada, yada. And Obama also built some of the wall. He got a lot of flack for it. But it, it like rhetoric and words really matter in politics and Obama you know Trump was very aggressive about building the wall if you any Trump rally I think he's ever had chance break out of build the wall it was like that was his number that's pretty much why he got elected but Obama didn't really campaign on that and but he still did it. And so rhetoric and and the words around building the wall. And that's actually something that my friend and I talked about is that, you know, immigration issues didn't start with Trump. Trump wasn't the person who introduced immigration issues into politics. They've always been an issue. It's something politicians have, have always talked about. Obama talked about the need for securing our borders but Trump was just the loudest voice in it and and these issues have been around for a while and you could argue that because of the populism surrounding Trump that that's why people believe immigration just kind of stopped or started there actually I went to a Catholic school for high school and junior year of high school instead of doing final exams we had to do moral issue projects and my group did immigration and this was before I even was like really involved in politics or interested in politics at all 
And I remember, you know, not really having much opinion on immigration, but I remember we like found this video and it was about this kid who was 16 and he was driving and he got pulled over and he didn't even realize himself that he didn't have a license. And this was under Obama that, you know, this happened to this kid. And ultimately he got in trouble and was deported because he was driving without a license and then they figured out that he was an illegal immigrant. And that video really touched me. I've messaged with my teacher who we did those projects for multiple times and just kind of like telling her how much it impacted me. And immigration is definitely a feeling issue. And that's like my friend who is super interested in immigration. She's such a feeler and she's so compassionate. And and that's really what drives her her passion for immigration issues because she really feels for these people and just you know wants to see change in their lives so enough of that tangent but kind of just that's a great way to go into DACA the deferred action for childhood arrivals was an executive order signed by Obama in 2012 he initially hoped for this policy to pass as legislation but it failed in the senate daca essentially defers children who were brought to the united states illegally from being deported and it helps recipients to become eligible for a work permit daca does does not actually give a pathway to citizenship i feel like that's a big misconception as well and there are pretty strict restrictions in place in order to receive daca benefits one must demonstrate the following, that they come to the U.S. before age 16, that they have resided here continuously since June 15, 2007, that they do not currently have legal immigration status, that they were present in the U.S. on June 15, 2012, that they were under the age of 31 on June 15, 2012, that they're currently in school, have graduated or obtained a GED certificate, or that they have been honorably discharged from the military, and that they have not been convicted of a felony, significant misdemeanor, or three or more misdemeanors, and do not otherwise pose a threat to national security or public safety. I think a big misconception with DACA is that they're just immigrants here illegally. They're dependent on the United States. These requirements really show that they contribute to society and really have to be good standing people. According to the Immigration Forum, in the next 10 years, DACA recipients will have contributed $433.3 billion to the GDP and $12.3 billion in taxes. Most DACA recipients are hard workers who are military officers, teachers, and healthcare providers, to name a few. Those who are against DACA, such as the Heritage Foundation, aren't really against DACA recipients themselves. But just note that DACA is unconstitutional and needs congressional approval to be the law of the land. And and I agree that DACA needs 
congressional approval, but I don't believe that's a reason to be actively against it. it. If anything, it's a reason to be actively for it. It's almost been nine years since DACA was introduced and Congress has failed to act and has failed to protect these children who only know America as their home. I'm a big supporter in DACA because I believe it's immoral to deport those who, one, contribute to society and, two, consider themselves Americans. Ultimately, it's not their fault that their parents brought them here. They were they were children without cognitive understanding. They didn't make the decision to come here, but they did make this decision to become a well-standing member of our country, and for that, we should support them. Congress really needs to act on this, and it's it's simply shameful that they haven't. I think the biggest misconception in regards to immigration policy is that conservatives are xenophobic and liberals want open borders. But I know many liberals and many conservatives who don't feel that way at all. I did an Instagram poll before recording this podcast and not that that has any like say in polling but for the people listening and most everyone supported border security but not everyone supported ice or the wall and I thought that was super interesting because one may correlate correlate ice or the wall to border security but there are those who don't necessarily like ice or the wall but do believe that there needs to be some sort of border security i definitely need to reach out to some people and ask them about this if you have a greater understanding of maybe why you feel like you believe in border security or but not ice or the wall i would love to hear from you and there were also many who supported daca but didn't support open borders and that was an interesting thing too is like daca is technically illegal immigrants i mean and obviously it has nothing to do with open borders they were brought here by their parents against their will but i thought that that was really cool to see too immigration is a complex and very nuanced issue I feel like I touched on so much in this episode but at the same time I feel like I didn't really touch on much at all I think facts really matter in the immigration debate and understanding policy implications and where your favored politician stands and what they've done also matters but Immigration is a people issue. This is an issue about people and their lives and living conditions. This is an issue about pursuing the American dream while also protecting those who are American citizens. There's so many layers to this and and it's it's so complicated and complex, but I hope that this is that this podcast provided you with some interesting information about what uh, this administration's plans going forward with immigration will be and a little bit about the difference in immigration administrations on immigration, how they're pretty similar and how they may contrast. And and I hope you also kind of take away from this that there are misconceptions and that 
just because a politician seems to support one policy agenda agenda sorry I can't talk agenda or the other doesn't mean that they actually follow through with that and that that public words matter but also actions matter as well um that's all that I have for today. I really appreciate it and I hope that you gained a lot from this episode. Thank you so much and make sure to rate on Apple Podcast. and also I have a little challenge for everyone. I know at the beginning of this episode I talked about how I reached out to my friend who I don't really agree with politically and and our conversation and I want to challenge y'all to, you know, in the next few weeks, if there is an issue on politics that you are focusing on, I want you to reach out to a friend who you know disagrees with you, and I want you to ask them their opinion on it. I'm not asking you to try to change their mind or try to shove your ideas down their throats. I'm just asking you to ask their opinion and maybe try to foster some meaningful conversations so that you have clarity in that issue because you sought a differing opinion and you you tried to get an opinion um, that you didn't necessarily think about. So I, I want to challenge you to that and I would love to hear the stories. I'll definitely post about it on Instagram. We'll make a little challenge and I'll love to hear this or I look forward to hearing those stories. But again, thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your day. Never miss an episode of Pull Up a Chair. Make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcast. Follow us on Spotify and Anchor. Follow us on Instagram at pullupachair.podcast and like us on Facebook at pullupachair with Ashley Mayer.